The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Then the king commanded and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you. Somebody utter, un- underline continually. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at daybreak, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out, In a tone of anguish, the king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm." Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no, uh, no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their children children, their wives, and before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then the king Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, languages that dwell on the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and before uh, fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to uh, be to the end. He ha- he delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions, so this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Let's pray. Uh, Dearly Father, thank you for uh, your authoritative word today, God. Uh, Maybe some of us who have a church background may be familiar with this this story. It might be easy to kind of zone out and just because of the familiarity of the text, God, but I pray that you would give us a fresh uh, set of ears and hearts to listen to your word, Lord. Um, Even as we were just reading, God, you are the God that still delivers. God, you are the God that still heals. I don't know what people are dealing with today, God, but as people sit under uh, the sovereign word of God today, I pray that you would restore joy where the enemy tried to steal it from people. God, that you would encourage, that you would build up your church as they sit under the proclamation of your word, God. And so I just thank you, God, that even though we may be by ourselves, God, anyone that's a believer plus Christ is the majority, God. Regardless if the world is against us and you are for us, God, there's nothing that no man or person can do. And so we rejoice in this story, God, as we look at Daniel and as we saw previously his friends, these resilient disciples, as they stood, God, in the face of opposition against rulers and authorities, God, they said, we will not bow down. We will not change our faith despite what may happen to us. So, God, I pray to that end that it may be our goal in all that we do 
Whether we eat or drink, God, whether we study, God, in our marriages, in our relationships, at work, God, that we would do everything to the glory of God. Because mm. people are always watching, Lord. And so as we live our lives, may it be a sweet fragrance, God, an aroma to you and also to those that's around us, God. May they see the light of Christ in our lives and may it draw all men and women to you. So, God, I pray for Randall as, he, as well as he shares this morning. God, speak to us a new, God, again, understanding of your word. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Don't let a preacher read the text. I'm just saying. I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh, thank you, Jonas. Good morning, everyone. How you doing? Um, I love child dedication Sundays. You know, it's so much fun just seeing the little ones and um, seeing the families here. And uh, I just want to welcome you this morning. If this is your first time, my name is Randall, uh, pastor here at Grace City. Um, and I, before I start, I, I want to uh, just say thank you. Um, last week, I was, uh, if you weren't here last week, I was surprised at the end of service uh, with this book um, of just notes uh, from many of you uh, just uh, sharing about how God's worked in your life over this time here in Grace City, and uh, it's Pastor Appreciation Month, and so I, I felt very appreciated as I, I read the notes, and um, and I just want to say that that um, it's such a blessing and honor and a gift to to be able to to serve this congregation. So just thank you so much for those of you who took the time to write those notes. I read them, and it means a lot. Uh, as Brooke was sharing, we are doing some retreats, and we are also um, uh, investing in uh, the youth. And so there's youth that happens uh, every week now um, at my house. And so uh, if you're interested, talk to Jonas. I would love to have you uh, if you are in that, that youth uh, phase of being middle school, high school, whatever. Just come on over, and uh, we want to share the love of Jesus with you. Uh, so today, uh, we are wrapping up a series that we've been in for a while now called Living as Exiles, and we've been looking at uh, this study of, of Daniel. Um, and the reason that Daniel in this book in particular is so important is because throughout church history, uh, this is one of the books that the church has gone through when uh, there's just difficult times. There's just transitions that are happening within culture. Uh, the church is looking at uh, the book of Daniel and they look at the book of Revelation. Uh, and the reason why is that there's, there's this hope that comes knowing that there's something bigger that God is doing than what we see on the surface. And so uh, the beauty of the book of Daniel is that at the end of uh, the captivity of the, of the people of Israel in Babylon is that when, it says when they left Babylon, they had no more idols. There were no more idols among them. And why that's important is because uh, before they went into this captivity, before they went into this difficulty, there was a lot of idols in their life. They weren't worshiping God. And so when they came out of this difficulty and the trials, they were solely focused on God. They were just worshiping God. And so our text today is Daniel 6, 16 through 28, which again is one of those passages where we might have read this story or heard this story before if we've grown up in church, uh, but it is just so, uh, there's so many insights for us today that I, I think are, are very helpful as we discern the times that we live in, as we discern our own faith. And so the message for today is an internal certainty through external 
uncertainty. Internal certainty through external uncertainty. Herman Hess, in a, his novel, the, the Steppenwolf, says this. He says, there are times when a whole generation gets caught to such an extent between two eras, two styles of life, that nothing comes naturally to it since it has all, uh, lost all sense of morality, security, and innocence. It had lost all sense of morality, security, and innocence. Now, if we were to discern our culture, we could say that we were in this transition period, right? There, there, there's whole generations where we can walk through, and, and it's like we're just caught or we're stuck. As we've been looking at this series, we've talked about this transition that's happened that is so uh, new and so relevant to our generation in particular. It's this generation of technology. This is brand new to our generation. Now, we're about a decade in, but the research is coming out that many of us are living stuck, not knowing how to navigate life. Because life is so uncertain, because everything is changing around us, Every time we look at our phones, right? Every moment, it just feels like we're on shaky ground. And so we're stuck. But as we've studied the book of Daniel, we've seen him navigate cultural transitions, generational transitions. See, he was taken from Jerusalem, which was this city which was, again, they had this, they'd grown up knowing who God was, but then he's taken to this very pluralistic city. It's brand new to him. New city, different rulers, multi-generations, him going through this, transitions. But he has a morality, a security, and an innocence from beginning to end. As things are rocky and shaky around him, there's something that's inside of him that's certain and true. You'd say it's true north. How? Well, as we looked at all the way back in Daniel chapter 1, it says this in Daniel 1.8, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. And so this word for resolved is he made this decision, this internal decision that he was gonna follow God no matter what. And what that brought was a stability in his life in the midst of the instability all around him. See, and as we get to Daniel chapter 6, Daniel has served God faithfully in Babylon for around 60 plus years as an exile. In his old age, between, he's at this point between 70 and 80 years old. Here's how Daniel was described. He had distinguished himself, exceptional qualities. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent, right? That's the, the type of character that you would really want, right? Like when people look at you, you'd say, I want that type of character. But how did he get there? 
Well, as we've been looking at this series, much of it was theological. It was that his life was centered on God, that God was the center of his life, and that God was the stability in all of the instability. Because remember, Daniel's name meant God is my judge. God is my judge. God's the one that sets the course of my life. See, in this belief intersected with all areas of his life. Last week, we looked at how specifically this belief of God being his judge worked out in the way that he approached his vocation and his life, and it impacted those around him. See, Daniel held what many would have believed or said it was a secular job, right? That he, on the outside, it didn't look like he was working for God, but actually he was. See, because his work would impact generations for years to come. See, it says this, it gives us this cap of what Daniel's life in Daniel 121, as we looked at back in, in chapter one. It said, and Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. So what we see is that Daniel was faithful throughout. Daniel outlasted four different kings, King Nebuchadnezzar, which we've looked at, Belshazzar, Darius, and Cyrus II. See, eventually it's believed that Daniel's belief in God, his theology, would influence those who would come after him, and here's how. Many believe that it was Daniel's Belief in God that impacted how the Chaldeans did astrology. And that influence led to what we know in the New Testament as the wise men coming to search for Jesus in that small town of Bethlehem. You see, there's this lineage and this trace of like what God was doing, but did Daniel know that that's how it would work out? No. That's why we looked at all areas of our life being so important. See, in the book we've been uh, going along with this study from uh, a book called Faith for Exiles, David Kinnaman and Mark Matlock confirmed that vocational discipleship, your job, but not just seeing it as a job, but seeing it as your calling, is a real thing. And we believe that through it, the church can be revived. When we read about past revivals, they aren't about society turning to Jesus. They are about the church becoming more faithful to Jesus and spirit-led, listen, within society. Within society. Many times what happens is when there's uncertainty around us, we run from that. But there's a stability you can have in Christ that'll help you to live within the culture right now and to stand firm in him. You see, Daniel's work mattered. But what the, that doesn't mean is that he didn't face uncertainty. And so our text is Daniel 6, 16 through 28. And, and let's ask the question, how did Daniel live within his cultural context? And what can we learn about internal certainty today? How do we have that? How do we have that strength within when it's so easy to fall apart? Like we talked about, this book was written in the 6th century B.C. Um, as a teenager, Daniel was captured by King Nebuchadnezzar, placed into his royal court, and eventually rose to the top. Again, at this point, he's an old man. 
And here's what it says. Um, there, there's one commentator, Joel, Joel Bells. He says, Daniel set the standard for Christians who hold public office. He was serious about the work of statecraft, but he's even more serious about being known as a servant of God, determined to follow God's precepts no matter the cost. And so again, how did Daniel do this? Well, we see three traits in his life from today's text, and we're gonna study each one, but I think these are all helpful for us in our life as well. The first one is this. There's a calm in the chaos. Calm in the chaos. Number two, a conviction in the conflict. And number three, connections in the context. Calm in the chaos, conviction in the conflict, and connections in the context. So here's, here's how we're going to start. So the first one is calm, okay? So look at verses 16 through 17. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought out and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Now, as we're talking about this calm that Daniel has, we have to see that it was within a very chaotic scene. See, why do we use the word chaos? Well, as we look at history, and specifically in the Babylonian culture, lions were linked in their culture with chaos. And so throughout history, as we look at uh, different kings, one of the things that they would do is they would show their power by taming lions. You can see it all throughout Babylonian history, but also ancient history, is that there was this untamableness about lions uh, that was just known amongst uh, kings and rulers. And so part of the fun that they would have is saying, well, we can tame lions, and so we're going to have our own little section of lions uh, that are just kind of for our own pleasure, and, and, and if anybody acts up, then we can just throw them into the lions. Sinclair Ferguson says, the destructive power of lions metaphorically expressed the disharmony and chaos of the universe. It metaphorically expressed disharmony and chaos of the universe. And so as we think about this passage here, and we think about life, and we think about being thrown into and thrust into life, it's much like in the New Testament where you see storms, right? You see storms, they're chaotic uh, metaphorically, but there's also uh, this metaphor of Daniel being thrown in, but literally being thrown in to the lion's den. And it shows that there's a chaotic world all around us. See, the lions here remind us of the chaos of life and how life is untamable, right? We wouldn't, we wouldn't suggest somebody go, even going to the zoo and saying, hey, let's, let's just jump into the lion's area. That's a good idea, right? Like, we, we wouldn't suggest that because we know that there's danger there. But as we think about the dangers, the chaos of life, we also have to realize that there's a cost to follow God. There's a cost to follow God. And so Daniel didn't have a choice, but he was thrown in. 
And he finds himself in this lion's den. Jesus told us in Luke 9, 23, he said, if anyone would come after me, let, me de- deny, let him deny himself and take his cross daily and follow me. See, for anybody who says, I want to follow Christ, there will be moments where you will be thrown into chaotic situations. And so how do you respond? See, Jesus is saying that that's the life of a disciple. And so how did Daniel face this with this internal calm that we see? Because we don't see it say he's screaming, he's shouting, he's any of these things. Like he's not fighting off, saying, nope, you're not throwing me in there. But he goes for it. Well, Tony Morita, who's a commentator, says in Ezekiel 14, 14 and 20, the prophet puts Daniel in the same company as Noah and Job in terms of their righteous lives. Daniel's relationship with the Lord is not crisis-oriented. It was a consistent walk with God that people saw daily. And what emergencies or crises uh, presented themselves, Daniel was already prepared to meet them and handle them. His daily communion with God had so shaped his character that he was ready no matter what. The decision to to go to the lion's den had been settled years earlier. The cost had already been counted. See, the problem is, when we get into situations that are chaotic, the reason that we get so frazzled with life is many times we don't sit down and count the cost of what it's going to take to get through it. We don't sit down and say, hey, there's going to be some difficulties, there's going to be some challenges that I'm going to face to have to get to the end of this. But we just kind of breeze into it. See, many times as Christians, we're surprised when difficulty comes our way. But the Bible tells us over and over again that there will be suffering, there will be a cost to follow God. And so what that brings is that actually should bring a calm, knowing that, hey, I'm not in this situation by surprise. I, 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 I knew that I would be here because for Daniel, he'd already counted the cost. And so the question for us is, have we counted the cost or are we surprised by the chaos of this world? See, because calm comes in the preparation of knowing that it's gonna come, that it's gonna come. It's inevitable. And so Daniel's facing this calmly. But let's move to the next one, conviction. Look at verses 18 through 20. When the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, no diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den uh, where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? And so what we see here is there's this conviction throughout the message, throughout the story. And this conviction is within the conflict. It's within it. Okay, so there's a test that's happening here. Who will prevail? Now, this deep conviction that Daniel has, it started long before. And this conviction is back to that resolve that we talked about earlier. It says, for him, 
It's long been at work within his life. There's a conviction that he's holding in the stillness because we, we don't hear, like, like basically as, as, as the king is coming up, he's not hearing anything. It's like silence, right? There's silence, there's stillness all around. He knew that Daniel was thrown into the lines and he's probably thinking to himself, it's over for Daniel. But I'm just gonna, out of respect for him, because I actually care about him, I'm gonna yell out to him and say, are you still there? Are you still there? We see in scripture it says, be still and know that I'm God. Right, in the midst of the chaos that's around us, what are we instructed in scripture to do? To be still and to know that God is there. And so we see that Daniel had this conviction that took him to the lion's den, but he's there in this stillness. And what's the reverse? Well, there's a conviction that's happened within the king. The king all night is restless. He is restless. He can't sleep. And as we see him tossing and turning, because this very difficult situation that Daniel is thrown into, we see that he comes next morning just worried, concerned, filled with anxieties. See, what have we talked about throughout this series within this generation that we face on a daily basis? We are the age of anxiety. We are the age of people who who live life restless, without sleep. And as we think about this king, many of us can identify and say, yeah, that was my night last night. Right, I'm worried and concerned about many things. Mark Sayers wrote a book called A Non-Anxious Presence. And he says this, yes, there are times when it appears as if the darkness is winning. What's the concern here for the king? He knew that everything about this was wrong. It seemed like the the darkness was winning. See, when the the direction of culture, the circumstances of our lives, the poverty of spiritual life among God's people seems tilted toward difficulty, decline, and even death rather than renewal. The church seems divided, the culture unraveling, and the world reeling toward chaos. Yet at moments like ours, we must remember that God has seeded the world with his dream of renewal. See, what this is telling us is that in the restlessness that the king is facing, thinking that he's lost Daniel, who he had so much hope for, so many dreams for, saying, okay, Daniel, you're really gonna be the one that's gonna lead us into the future here. I trust you. He, he's gotten himself where he got himself put into the situation where he throws Daniel in. There's this hope of could it be that there's something better that could be on the other side? Oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Could God get us through the difficulties, the challenges that we face on a daily basis? Is God able to get us through? And this 
really brings it all together. It's the connections. Look, look at verses 21 through 23. When Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him, and also before you, O king. I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the, the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. See, there's these connections within the context here, and I hope this brings it all together for us today. Right, as we're thinking about this, this is the connection point that we need to get, and I hope you walk away with. We gotta understand the context. So Daniel 6 does not happen apart from the context of Daniel 3. What happened in Daniel chapter 3? Another king, different ruler, King Nebuchadnezzar, built this statue and said, you need to bow before this statue or I'm gonna throw anyone who doesn't into the fiery furnace. So we find three of Daniel's friends that we saw at the beginning in Daniel chapter one, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who said, we will not bow the knee. Nebuchadnezzar, you can throw us in, and our God may save us. He has the power to save us, but even if he doesn't, you can still throw us in there because we will not bow down. And what does Nebuchadnezzar see as there are three in there, but he says, hold on a second. There's a fourth one who looks like the Son of God. When we think about verse 22, what does Daniel say? He says, my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king, I've done no harm. Now this word for angel is just simply messenger. It's a pretty mysterious thing, right? Who is this messenger? What was that about? How did this all happen? Well, we see these different passages throughout the Old Testament where it says that there was the angel of the Lord, the messenger of the Lord. And many believe that the messenger of the Lord was there in chapter 3 of Daniel but also in different parts of the Bible as we look throughout Scripture. And the interesting thing about the messenger of the Lord is that um, people would bow down and worship the messenger of the Lord. Now we see in the New Testament that you don't bow down and worship angels. Angels direct them, say, don't worship me, worship God. But we see in the Old Testament that the, the, the messenger of the Lord, the angel of the Lord receives worship. Now, let's think on that for a minute. Because as we think about whatever you're facing, right, whatever lion's den you might feel like you're in right now, 
the challenge that we face is we feel like we're alone. Like I've got to do this all on my own. I have no wisdom, I have no strength, I have no direction to get, get through this. I don't know how I'm going to get through the week. But as we start to put some connections together here and we start to see that Daniel... In his old age, you know, 80 years old, he probably at this point had lost his friends. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're not in the story. They probably passed away at this point. He's standing alone. And he's not leaning into his connections with the past. He's not begging this new king, Darius, to say, hey, hey, Darius, you know, I, I got all these connections in higher places. Like, please let me out of this. Let me figure it out on my own. He's not talking about prior accomplishments. Hey, Darius, don't throw me in the den because you know all the good things that I've done and all the things that I can do? He's not leaning into his social network with the king, saying, hey, you really like me, right? You're going to let me slide on this one? No, but there's another connection here that's greater than all of them. It's his connection with God. And what happens is that we see the gospel connections throughout this narrative as we start to see it in this messenger that is sent to close the mouth of the lion. See, this, the connections give us hope. John Lennox says, the present chapter does not simply tell us that lions were the preferred method of execution at the time. It tells us that God delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. Darius expressed the hope that God would deliver Daniel. And when he returned to the den in the morning, Daniel told him that God had sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths. Here's the connections within the context that we all need right here. When Pastor Timothy Keller says, roaring lions does not just represent in general suffering, but the Old Testament, the roaring lion represents the justice of God. In the book of Amos, in the very beginning, it says, the Lord roars against violence and against oppression. This is what it means. The real Daniel, who went into the lion's den, and he went before the real lions, the, the justice of God, who got the punishment that we all needed, was ruined. He was torn by the justice of God. The real Daniel, who went into the lion's den, was Jesus Christ. Because he was the ultimate Daniel, who went before the ultimate lions. We now can go into the lion, little lion's dens of our lives with confidence. Is that messenger who's holding the mouths of the lions, the dangerous lions that could have torn Daniel to pieces? Could you picture that it would be Jesus Christ standing there holding the lion's mouth and saying, you're not going to eat my little one? See, friends, do you believe that it's the power of God and the connection of of going back to the gospel and seeing that God is going to be your protector, your strength, your provider in the midst of the difficulties that you face? Does he have the power to hold the lions at bay that want to destroy you? Believe that he does. Let's finish with this, some takeaways. How can we grow in internal certainty? So the first one is remember that God's peace comes inwardly, 
not always outwardly. God's peace comes inwardly, not always outwardly. John 14, 27, Jesus says, peace I will leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. See, what is it that's keeping us up at night and saying, man, I can't make it through this situation this week? I'm just filled with anxieties, filled with pressures. Lord, I don't know how I'm gonna make it. And could it be that God is saying, okay, yeah, it's gonna be a little chaotic all around you. (laughs) It's not gonna be a peaceful environment because sometimes you're gonna walk into work and you're gonna feel like I'm walking on eggshells and I don't know who I'm gonna run into today. What situation's gonna happen today? But I trust you, Lord, that the peace that you give is inside me and it's gonna help me to face the outward, whatever I have to face. Sinclair Ferguson said, in the promised age, the chaos of creation will be restored to order and harmony so that all the creatures of nature, nature will, give, uh, will live together in peace. See, we want, we want things to be like perfect now and it's just not. You're in exile, this isn't your home. And the thing is, as Daniel was praying, he's looking towards Jerusalem saying, yeah, this isn't my real home, that's my real home. It's with God. And you're gonna have to do that too. And in that, you're gonna find peace. The second is this, remember that God's truth and his timing are always perfect. Remember that God's truth and his timing are always perfect. See, God's God's work to save uh, Daniel, it happened in his perfect timing and in his way. It happened in God's timing and in his way. His salvation was built on truth. We see that Daniel says, I I didn't do anything to hurt you, king, and a lot of the things that were coming at me were lies. It was deception. It wasn't true. See, we can get really bent out of shape sometimes when there are things that are coming at us that just maybe people think about us or whatever it might be that aren't true. And we think, oh my goodness, I have to protect my reputation. I'm gonna get out there and fight for myself. But what we see is that God is trustworthy and he will fight for us. He will fight for us. But do you believe that? Because on the flip side, what happens? Sin recoiled back upon itself. And and the thing that we, we, you're like, oh my goodness. You read through this and you're like, whoa. Dudes, okay, so it's, it's not just like, the people who lied about Daniel get thrown into the lion's den, but it's like his wife, their wives, their kids. Like, I don't want to read that part. What is going on? Like, do you know why that happened? It was because it was written into Persian law that that's what happens. When somebody goes against the law, they said, it's not only you, but it's your family that suffers as well. And I'm telling you, that happens every day. There are people that come on to me and, and want to talk to me, and what, 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 what ends up happening is that as we start talking, and was, as I start to dig deeper in their story, I start to see that it's, it's actually, it's not even just sin that they're struggling with, but it's, we're unraveling the sin of their, their past, 
of maybe their own parents, things that have happened to them. And you're like, there's this residual effect to sin that can be destructive in the lives of people. One of the, the books that I have uh, leaders read, is inter- it's called Overcoming the Dark Side of Leadership. I read through it. I re- worked through it with a lot of young leaders that I work with. But what it talks about is this, that all of us have the potential, the raw potential for the dark side to come out. It's called sin. It's a sinful nature. And within that, it talks about different leaders. The the interesting thing is that this book talks about different leaders, and it talks about they were like the the A-plus shining examples of leadership. And you know what? We read that book today, and I'm like, hold on, who? What? Because all of them, at some point, something's come out about them in the news. And I'm looking at this book, which was written maybe like 20 years ago. And you're like, sin will be found out. It does recoil upon itself. You can't hide it. It does have effects on us. See, it talks about the raw materials of, of the dark side being pride, selfishness, Self-deception, sin. See, all of this stuff recoiled back. And as these, these people who were wanting to, 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 to frame Daniel, it came back on them. That's the only thing that happens with sin. It just does destructive things. You're going to look at life and you'll be like, man, why are those people getting away with that and doing this? And maybe I should just go do what they're doing. Don't do it. Do not go down that path. Right? Like, this is the war. Like, don't do it. it. It will always lead to destruction. And so God's work and God's truth and his timing are always perfect. And it, that stuff will be found out. It will be. But then the last one is this. Remember that Jesus' consistency transforms our inconsistency. Jesus' consistency transforms our inconsistency. And so as we wrap up today, here's the gospel message. See, where do you find certainty in the uncertainty that's all around you? How will you navigate life when trials come? I will tell you again and again, it is to look to the greater Daniel. Look to the greater Daniel. James Hamilton says this. He says, Daniel, who was righteous, was accused by those jealous of him on a false charge. The king recognized the injustice of Daniel's condemnation and sought to deliver him. Nevertheless, Daniel was condemned, given over to certain death, then placed in a pit with a stone laid on the opening and steeled by the king. At daybreak, those who lamented the way Daniel was treated came and found that his God had delivered him. Jesus was also declared innocent, but accused by those jealous of him on false charges. Pilate recognized the injustice and sought to release Jesus. Nevertheless, Jesus was condemned to death. And after they crucified him, he was put into a new tomb with a stone rolled over the entrance, which was later sealed. At daybreak, On the first day of the week, those who lamented 
the way Jesus was treated, came and found that God had raised him from the dead. And in the midst of the uncertainty that you face, know that there's a certain God who has the power to resurrect. Has the power to resurrect. And so if you come in here discouraged today and you're like, there's no way that God could resurrect anything in my life. I feel like I'm in the pit. He's the one that can pull you from the pit. And he can do it through the power of the one who closes the mouth of the lions. Do you believe that today? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. There are many of us who come in just thinking, how how am I going to make it through the week? Struggling with pride, with anger, with arrogance. Lord, we don't know where to go and what to do. Everything seems uncertain around us. Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit meet us and start to paint the picture of how you are with us and you are there and that you care and that your power is able to save us from whatever thing that we're fearing right now that we feel like can devour us. You are able, God. So we just thank you for that. And we pray that we can start to make those connections in our lives where we can start to see that, Jesus, you're enough. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.